Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men. Listen, I have my own podcast. I have my own podcast studio. I don't really care about those. What I really care about is the Real Nerds podcast, the best podcast in the universe, in the multiverse, in in... On all Earth, 616 and beyond, listen to it, subscribe right now, and uh, listen to this episode, listen to all the episodes, but especially listen to, the, listen to the one that I'm on. It might be the best. Thank you, guys. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can... Doesn't talk film! I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot. A real nerd can follow the plot. A real nerd will give it all the guts. Lights, camera, action. This is the new and improved Real Nerds podcast. Every week, the real nerds see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. But with a new format, a new year, I decided to double down the fun, Brad. We are doing two films this week, The 355 and The Kingsman. And if you've listened to us over the last 10 years, you'd be, man, I got to listen to all their bullshit before I hear about what they think about the new movie. Oh, no, my friends, no. As a new era is upon us, volume 11 of The Real Nerds has changed it again. Um, Basically, what's going to happen now is we're going to review the movie at the beginning of the show. Then I'm going to talk about Hollywood's big comeback with the box office winner of the week. I'm going to touch on the big news story of the week. And then I'm going to do something a lot different. Is we have so many Real Nerds now uh, and our normal, what do you call it, uh, segments, I felt were getting stale. So now I'm not going to put any constraints on anybody. They can record their own and keep it at a 10-minute max, and they'll have their own 10 minutes to shine on the episode because I'm a giving person, Brad, and that's what I do. I appreciate it. You're such a benevolent leader. Thank you. I, I do my best. Corinne, how are you? I'm doing well. I think the new format is bullshit. Wow. Why? Because <laughs> you came up with it, Ryan. <laughs> oh, well, that's not entirely true. I had ideas and I gave them to Brad and uh, we came up with it together. So I bear some responsibility for this dumpster fire. Yep. But uh, but I'll take I'll take the full brunt of it because I'm tough and Brad isn't. So and that's how real leaders work. <laughs> exactly. From the top I take, down. I, one, I take your idea, like Michael Scott did for the uh, during the Willy Wonka episode, where I have this great idea, and then Corinne hates it. So then it's Brad's idea, and then all our 
our listeners will like it. Then it'll be my idea again. Listeners are David Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how it works, right? Totally. Yeah. Take all the glory, share none of the blame. Multi-million dollar companies rise and fall on that ethos. <laughs> right. <laughs> How's everybody's week going? Going all right so far. Yeah. Wow, that's that's insightful, <laughs> Corinne. Thanks, Brad. I don't know. Uh, yeah, something personal bad happened, but that's not movie related. So, uh, just be I'm honest. Sorry? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, movie wise, pretty okay. I was gonna tell you, I haven't talked to you guys since Christmas, so uh, you might be uh, not surprised, but you might be interested to hear that some of the Christmas presents I got, I got an office trivia game. So nice. I'll have to bust that out at some point. And I also got some Mandalorian themed playing cards. So those have been pretty cool. Nice. Real nice poker night. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, I, I wanted to get together and do a game night anyways. I have this Batman animated series board game that my wife refuses to play with me. So I, I, I awesome. made that part. Yeah, I made that part up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she, I think she would play it with me. I just, you know. She's not gunning to do it. Yeah wife is she like in the room with you or something (laughs) uh no Uh, i was helping her i was a little late coming on because uh we're redoing our hallway bathroom and she couldn't get this old shelf down in it so of course she needed a man to rip it out of the wall and uh, that's what i did one-handed yeah pretty much actually i just bit down on one of the shelves and pulled it out with my um (laughs) head uh, but no, these people uh, put this shelf in there and they they didn't put anchors, but they made these really long screws and they stripped the screws. So I was getting really pissed trying to get it off. So I just ripped it out of the wall, mm. which, you know, I got yelled at because she said, you're not going to repair the drywall. And I said, know your role. Fold that laundry. And uh, then I was punched and I blacked out. So that's the real reason I'm late is I talked back to my wife and she hit me in the face and um, now I'm coming to you and I feel good. Uh, very concerned about your domestic situation, Ryan. <laughs> because violence is always the answer, especially against your spouse. Yeah. Well, I mean, if she would just stay in the kitchen with her feet soaking and cooking me dinner, we wouldn't have a problem, would we? And we're back. Uh, that silence <laughs> you heard was Ryan getting punched out and blacking out. <laughs> And she did yeah. just give me a middle finger, so I think that's a good sign. Um, yeah, that's what we do. My wife, you, Ryan? Very, yep. uh, my wife is very beautiful, and um, please, please put down the the rolling pin. Put it down. Okay, Whew, that was close. Oh, she told me she we have a gun. She went use a rolling pin, so that's good to know. <laughs> um good level of honesty you have there oh yeah i mean she doesn't know the combination of my gun safe i'm safe (laughs) uh this week this week this week on real nerds podcast we saw two movies the first of which was the 355 brad do you recommend the 355 yeah not really uh it was pretty (laughs) pretty boring uh the dialogue was uh pretty cringy 
And, you know, I saw, I saw someone tweet somewhere that, you know, if, if it wasn't the theaters, it would have been a, like a perfect Netflix action movie. So yeah. Uh, not great. Corinne, did you see the three, five, five? I did. And then I immediately forgot about it because this movie is so bland and generic and just kind of forgettable. It doesn't have any personality to it. And I guess that's what I would have wanted out of this movie. Yeah, I don't recommend this either. I like the actors in it. And I swore I was watching a movie that I came in halfway through. Um, because right away, the, the, there's this relationship between Jessica Chastain's character and Sebastian Stan. And I'm like, am I missing something? Am I supposed to care about these people? Anyways, mm-hmm. here's... Uh, here's the trailer for the 355. Remember that story that they told us about in training? About George Washington's first female spy during the revolution. They called her Agent 355 because they didn't want the world to know her real name. But her legacy lives on. We're the top agents from around the world. American. British, German, Colombian, Chinese. But now we have a common enemy. They can start World War III from simple reach of their keyboard. So we need to join forces. It's like half the CIA is most wanted. Always such a tough guy. I'm not an agent, I'm a therapist. They thought I would give you my secrets. Do you have secrets? We put ourselves in danger so that others are not. I'll handle the guns. Are you in therapy? I should be. You're the best in the world at what you do. You have cameras in your jewelry, comms in your earrings. You bump, I grab. The target is on the move. You're not going in there alone. We go together. I have a family. I cannot do this anymore. The bad guys are out there right now. You go home, you bring them with you. Are you under control? Are you? No. Black cars, all black, everything. I've got four more agents out on the street. I counted six, but thanks for the tip. the new team we're the 355 okay but i saw him being alive like a mile away oh yeah well yeah no that's not even this is if you took a cliche out of every like spy thriller film it was probably in this with really Mm -hmm. bad dialogue and i mean this the premise is is this woman played by Jessica Chastain named something or something like that. Mace. There we go. (laughs) Really rememberable movie. Um, She's on this thing to Paris with the ultimate MacGuffin, this key that can make airplanes crash. And (laughs) the fuck is this? Right out of the gate. uh, You know, they're having this scene with the, you know, the terrorists, I guess. Uh, the cartel and the, the you know his son or whatever makes the key and he's bragging to the guy he's selling it to like 
yeah, my son is the only person who can use it. And then throughout the whole rest of the movie, everyone else can utilize it. <laughs> right. I thought mean, the like, son said that he was the only one who could make another one. I don't know. It's not how easily everyone else cracked it. I don't think anyone else couldn't do it. (laughs) But then there's parts where, like, it just, do you feel like there's scenes missing? Or do you think the script was so poorly plotted that that's what was plotted and it's just really shitty? Because I couldn't make a difference between them. It definitely felt like it took a while to even get going. Like, yeah, that first third, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's like pulling teeth sitting here and watching this bullshit. But then once you kind of got the pieces all together, it started getting a little bit better. Like that whole scene where they're in Morocco or wherever it is, like that was pretty good. Yeah, there was moments, you know, the part two where he was killing all the people they cared about. I'm like, oh, there's some, you know, actual tension in this movie. But like getting there was a chore. And, and like, why, why would someone who did that, like, why would you let them live? Like, you know, yeah. they're going to chase you down and try to stop you. Yeah. But, I mean, you see a movie that has Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, you know, Diane Kruger. You're like, oh, this movie should be really good because all those women kick ass. And they do in the film. But at the same time, one, they're horrible shots. They, like, can't shoot each other. They can't shoot the bad guys. Um, Well, I mean, they can shoot, like, the stormtrooper-type bad guys. (laughs) But the actual bad guys, they can't. And then they just say the dumbest things. And then it's a lot of uh, technical jargon doesn't make any sense you yeah, know and there's a lot, a lot of techno babble yeah and there's a lot of times when everybody had guns pointed at each other's heads and they didn't shoot i mean they could have solved a lot of problems by just like killing that guy <laughs> and also times. as soon as they had the drive the first time why even deliver it to anybody just destroy it i know probably I... a lot of problems yeah especially because they end up destroying it at the end yeah, because yeah, a drive that can hack into any computer and disrupt any tech network. device, like you're just going to yeah. let that run around. Like, I wouldn't even give it to my own government. I'd be like, yeah, I should probably just delete this. And then I don't get how they like make planes crash. Because couldn't like a pilot be like, say, well, I'm going to turn off the autopilot. And I'm going to fly this motherfucker myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> just I don't know. Was... Maybe they made the doors open up. Or landing gear fall down. I don't know. Yeah, can you control that with like through Wi-Fi? I don't know. Maybe (laughs) because I'm pretty sure the pilots have to do all that instrumentation by itself. I don't know. I'm not a pilot. I'm just guessing. Um, I mean, this had the level of writing of the A team, but the thing about the A team is it kind of has like a fun personality to it. Like it's stupid, but it's like a kind of entertainingly stupid. Like it knows what it is. And this movie is so self-serious that there is no personality to it. And it's just like a lot of teeth-pullingly boring and trite scenes. Except for a couple, which are okay. Like, some of the acting is pretty good, but it's like, I just needed, I needed some fun in this movie because everybody is just so dour and sad and depressed all the time. That's why I gave it it, uh, two out of five stars, because, I mean, everybody is a pretty good actor in it. And there's the, that one scene that you were talking about and the scene where he was killing their families. I'm like, okay, that's entertaining. Um, but then it's just spirals, you know? The, like, Sebastian Stan, bad guy, gets shot in the shoulder. And then they come back and he's the head of the FBI. They didn't know. 
that he mm-hmm. was a bad guy. But all these women in all these agencies, they're the ones who are ostracized. Wouldn't all their stories add up and his wouldn't make any sense and he'd be the guy going to jail? I don't get it. He just murdered, uh, uh, what's her name? Nepita Leongo's character. Her partner, and like one of the few people who actually gets killed and she just leaves and doesn't finish yeah. the job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he gets promoted and yeah, they come back later and poison him. But still, it's like, yeah. It's but it seems like, like the only reason he lived is to set up that scene at the end where all these women show up and uh oh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. And for something that's supposed to be like a feminist movie, it really feels like Mace is really tied to his, you know, he, she's really easily manipulated by him. Yeah. So I think the fact that she doesn't have anybody else except for him. You know, that's not that's definitely not healthy. And I think that he tries to prey on that and, you know, leverage that when he's like, oh, you know, you should come with me because you don't have anybody else. Yeah. I I, yeah. No, it's just this. I find it interesting that this movie was directed by a man. Yeah. He also directed Dark Phoenix. So, you know. yeah, <laughs> that's what I was like. OK, I know why this is kind of not good. But too, and it drives me crazy. So um, the dialogue scenes are, you know, steady. And then when the action ramps up, it's super jerky and quick cuts. And I'm guessing because they're trying to get a PG-13 rating. But it gets mm-hmm. really annoying watching films cut that way. Yeah, like, that whole chase through Morocco, like they're following that one guy. Like It just felt like it was the same sequence over and over again. Just like cut to here, cut to here, cut to this. Um, it just went on for a while, just following the one guy, and then people, you know, weaving in and out through the crowd. Yep. So yeah, twenty twenty two, not off to the best start with that film. Well, that's supposed to come out last year. <laughs> yeah, I think two years ago. Two years probably. ago. So <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure it would have fared any better back then. So yeah, I don't know. It's definitely uh, a January type movie. Yes, I agree. Well, I mean, it could be a February Liam Neeson season movie. But... Wait, did you guys see the previews for that one movie that he's going to be in where he's a grandpa now? And I'm like, Black this White. is basically, yeah. yeah, he's basically just taken, but now he's the grandpa instead of the dad. So now so, I feel just so old. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was rolling my eyes. But then when uh, In the Air Tonight came on and he was killing people, now I'm interested because that song better be in the film when he's killing people. That's all I'm saying. They use that think, in the Miami Vice uh, film. What? Yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> but <laughs> so I think it comes out the before. same weekend as Jackass. So I think I'm going to see Jackass instead. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, the second film we saw this week is a prequel. The Kingsman. Brad, do you recommend The Kingsman? Not really. I was pretty bored. Um, the trailer did not match up with the movie I saw. Uh, not that it needs to, but yeah, I was just surprised about what it actually turned out to be. Um, you know, I thought the other two Kingsman movies were pretty fun, but this seemed more like a drama. Um, but yeah, I just I did not get it. Corinne? Um... I don't know. I guess if you're a fan of the Kingsman franchise, like if you're really invested in those other two movies, 
you would probably have more fun with it than just the average person. But I definitely am on the same boat as Brad. It is a very strange film. It shifts tone a lot and it's very, very hard to pin down. But it's kind of fascinatingly fun in that way. I don't know. It's very hard to describe. Hi, we're really boring today because I feel the same way. Um, I was shocked that it was directed by Matthew Vaughn because yeah. the first ones are a lot more fun and seem to have a lot more energy um, than this one. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's worse ways to spend a day at the movies. Um, but some days I'm really glad for my Alamo season pass. Yeah. Here's the trailer for The King's Man. Our guest of honor, Rasputin. I'm looking for someone who can help me gain an audience with the Tsar. Perhaps you can be of assistance. I only make decisions when my stomach is full or my balls are empty. Well, thank God dinner is being served. Small things can grow into big problems. We are the first independent intelligence agency. While governments wait for orders, our people take action. Welcome to the club. You're going to need a suit. Very clever. Time to dance. I'm gonna love killing you. Well, we shall see. So we're gonna go back in time into the early 1900s with a lord who visits some sort of are they in africa at the beginning yeah yeah, they're in south africa it's the boer war and he's part of the red cross and his wife shockingly gets killed oh my god (laughs) yeah that was the biggest telegraph in all of movie history (laughs) i know um See, that, uh, th- this movie had the kind of campiness that I wish the 355 had. Like, there were some scenes that were played very seriously, but there were some scenes where it was just so, like, weird. It had, like, it had a good energy to it, although a weird energy, and that was kind of fun. I don't know. It's Yeah, yeah it's a very weird and movie. Then, uh, he decides he's going to be a pacifist and protect his son, overprotect his son, I should say, who wants to sign up for... Um, World War One, um, and the conflict that spins from that, and I mean, it, so the Kingsman goes through a lot of conflicts in the early twentieth uh, century that affect the world and how they kind of play up to it. I mean, if you know the history, there's there is that fun element to it, you know, with Rasputin um, being poisoned and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, 
and then his son ends up going to world war one and then gets protected and then he changes places with this a scottish infantryman who's aaron taylor johnson <laughs> and who i didn't know was in the movie and uh yeah wasn't he, he one goes, of the kingsmen at the table at the end yeah yeah um, but I mean, then it led to actually. I thought my my favorite scene in the whole movie was when they were trying to retrieve the the spy uh, in, stuff, mm-hmm. and they met in no man's land, and it was shot really cool, kind of like a, a horror movie. Silent knife fight, yeah. That there was like the twenty minute sequence where he's on the front lines, where this movie felt like it was a different movie directed by a different person. Yeah. Like it, it just turned into like, I don't know, war horse or something for a, a good 20 minutes before it went back to, you know, ha ha ha. Isn't it hilarious? Like Ray Fiennes is getting bu- bumped in the head by a goat sort of, you know, weird campiness. Yeah. So, so uh, going into this movie, I thought Ray Fiennes, I thought his son was whoever Colin Firth is in the other movies. So leading up <laughs> to that scene, I, I was like, oh, this, you know, this is the rise of the Colin Firth character. And then he gets shot in the head. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, this is just some random kid to the Kingsman. Like, his story ends here. Like, what a weird divergence uh, for the story. I thought, like, I thought he was the one we were going to follow to the end. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, that probably it was, was definitely, it was, oh my gosh. Once he got back, I was like, oh, I guess he's going to make it out of the war alive. But then he gets killed by one of his own men. And that was just like, I mean, my jaw hit the floor when that happened. Yeah, it was pretty surprising. Yeah. And and it took a while for this movie to get started because it felt like a drama, like Brad said, for the first 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, full disclosure, um, I nodded off. I don't remember really what happened between Africa and <laughs> No Man's Land. <laughs> Definitely something uh, like... They went to Russia and, oh my gosh, that whole scene with Rasputin. I couldn't, I just can't re- imagine like the whole thing with Rasputin and that like awesome sequence where he's on the front lines are in the same movie. Yeah. Like, it's hard to wrap my head around that. And too, like tonally, we've talked about it, but Ras- Rasputin cured his limp. Yep. With, with like rubbing it and sucking on it. I, I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That weird, <laughs> that weird scene was the only thing that was like, oh, this feels like the other Kingsman movies. Um, but there's yeah. like this weird mystical thing, you know, with the cashmere that's only on the top of this mountain in the middle of nowhere, and then he has to fight. I mean, I knew that guy was a bad guy too. Right Did away. you? Yeah, because when Charles dances in that, I, mean, um, I knew he was a bad guy. I did not think he was the shepherd, mostly because Matthew Good is not Scottish. So I was figuring it was going to be some other British actor I happen to know because every British actor I know is in this movie. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, true. No offense to Matthew Good, but that reveal of the villain was like the most, like the biggest disappointment of a villain reveal I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, like yeah, well, yeah I, I, I fell asleep, but also like, I don't know. He just, it just didn't seem like a big bad to me. Um, you know, like Rasputin would have been a better like I a feel of a big bad and uh yeah that was so bizarre it's like oh it's yeah, just and another dude pretty <laughs> much I'm, guys I'm earlier. still trying to figure out the logistics behind that because he was in england for a lot of the scenes and then he's on 
some mountain somewhere for like with his little council of evil and i'm like uh travel across the continent is you know it takes a long time and it's very expensive and somehow you have the funds to do all that and the time to run like a goat farm on top of a giant mountain and be like a british officer i don't get it yeah i, yeah, I like, wish they would have just cast like david Tennant or somebody to be the shepherd and then just you know matthew good could just been his underling the whole time well, not even like actor, but I was like, I was expecting like Blofeld or, you know, even like Hitler, which ends up showing up in post credits. But like, it was just some other dude <laughs> in disguise. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I mean. Like he, when he went outside, he gave like this look back through the porthole at Charles Dance's character. I'm like, oh, he's a bad guy. <laughs> and, and then as it goes, oh, he's the bad guy. And yeah, it, then the like the top of this mountain ridge had really bad compositing oh, uh, and CGI. Man. Oh man, it was it's distracting. That yeah. whole sequence where Ray Fine's character is like trying to parachute on and then climb his way up the mountain seemed like it took forever. Yeah. Yeah. But I was gonna say when he's uh got Matthew Good like by the scarf and he's like leaning back over the edge, like that composite, yeah. I was just like, this is not lit accurately. How is this possible? Yeah. It, and that's why I mean, even I'm more shocked because Matthew Vaughn is a really great filmmaker. I was a little disappointed in this one because it lost some energy and it only popped up, you know, when he's fighting um, Rasputin and he's ba- he's ballet dancing while they're fighting. That was a fun callback because of how he moved when he came in. And uh, yeah, that was the only time that I felt like it, that it, was a Kingsman movie, but when Rasputin was introduced and he glides in, I just remembered uh, the incredible Burt Wonderstone when Jim Carrey <laughs> <laughs> just floated around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's fun. Um, I mean, it's better than the three, five, five, not by much, but yeah, um, it felt very, pa- pa- very passive. Like, um, shit. What was I going to say? Yeah, like there's, mean, there's uh, a lot of downtime of Ray Fiennes being depressed, and you're yeah. just like, mm-hmm. and all, all it takes is for someone to be like, "Hey, stop being depressed." He's like, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jim Artian like kisses him, and I quit, sir. And he says, "No, I'm gonna shave, and I'm good to go." <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. But yeah, anyways. Uh, next week uh, is Film Explosion 2021. Um, for real this time. For real this time. Sorry we had to put it off, listeners. Um, we had someone with close contact of COVID, and we didn't want anybody else to get COVID. I know if I get COVID, I totally screw over my whole work. So, um, so yeah, so that will be for real this time. Um, I don't know the day yet, um, but I'll, as soon as I line it up, I'll let everybody know on the Twitterverse. Um, and now it's time for our new segment that I call Hollywood's Big Comeback. So uh, for the fourth weekend in a row, Spider-Man No Way Home is leading the charge for the uh, big Hollywood comeback as it made $32.6 million, um, which brings I went to see it again. So <laughs> yeah. Some of that uh, is for me. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. 
because that means I'll get another Spider-Man. That uh, brings its domestic total to $668 million. And it's worldwide to $1.5 billion. Um, Pretty impressive. What if Sony was just like, actually, uh, we're good. We're done with Spider-Man's forever. (laughs) And I do hate money. Um, But I also want to talk about something that's kind of gone under the radar. I mean, I'm not a fan of uh, the first one, but Sing 2 is like kind of held its own as it just cleared. And it's the first animated film and family film since the beginning of the pandemic. I think it's since, um, what was the last Pixar movie in 2019? Um, Uh, Luca? No, because before Onward. Oh, 2019. Yeah. Coco, maybe. Coco, uh, anyways, twenty eighteen. It's, yeah, it's the first uh, animated film to make over a hundred million dollars. Uh, slowly chipping away. I mean, it's pretty. If you look at its daily breakdown, it's pretty much the same almost every day, around seven to eight million dollars. If um, you if you go back in time, uh, Sing the first thing is actually the like highest grossing movie to never hit number one. Yeah, so, I think it made 180 something million dollars. 270. It's crazy. 170. 270. I just don't understand how eliminations can keep putting out like just the bare minimum when it comes to filmmaking and somehow their movies make more than some of these very very well made, you know, Pixar, Disney, all well, that. I honestly think it's because something like seeing I haven't seen it. Um but it's like a, a jukebox movie. Where you have, I mean, I read that Bono is actually a voice in it. So he you is, have yeah. uh, these really well-known songs, but with like colorful animation and the story is secondary. You just go there and like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> I would say the same thing about Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think the movie is fucking garbage. But everybody knows those songs. So it helped carry it to a billion dollars. Just me. Yeah, and to be fair, they're not poorly made. Like a lot of people put a lot of oh yeah no. great effort I mean, in them. They but look fantastic. They're um, just unappealing to, I guess, our audience. They're they're yeah. like middle of the road when it comes yeah. to animation in my eyes. But I mean, I would be willing to see it because I saw the the pre- the previews enough that I'm like, mm, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I might wait till it's on Peacock because it's a Universal film. Um, because even. You know, I like to take Kellen to movies. And I said, hey, buddy, is there a movie you want to see? I think that Sing movie's out. And he said, I don't want to see that. <laughs> That's why you're my kid. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. We watched The Meg last night instead. <laughs> nice. No, keeping it, keeping it real. Um, yeah. And that's the big Hollywood comeback. Uh, next week, I think it's going to be really interesting because uh, Scream 5 comes out. And they're pegging it at about $50 million. We'll see if it hits that. I don't know. I um, wouldn't be surprised if it got more. Because, I yeah. mean, what else? Other than Spider-Man, like, what else is out to compete with it? And Spider-Man's, what, like, a month and a half old at this point? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, next week will be Spider-Man's. Uh, this week will be Spider-Man's fifth week in release. So, um, yeah, no, it's... Um, I'm interested because I, I, I love that franchise. I think Scream 4 is really underrated as a horror film. So, um Yeah. We'll see that. Uh, that'll be our film after Film Explosion. Um, and now, the big news story of the week. It's real news. 
the big news story is there's uh, there's some deaths that Zach's going to share on his segment, I believe. So I'm going to let him do that. He's a lot better at it than I am. But I'm just going to talk about that Morbius has been moved again. And I, I just laugh because there is this timeline that I don't know who put it out on Twitter, but it, um, it's a picture of Jared Leto. And it says, here we go. And it's from 2019. And it, by the time it wrapped and the time it's been delayed six times, Spider-Man No Way Home was shot, released in that whole time frame. Um, so I think it's kind of funny. Uh, and it makes me think that it's not that good. Yeah. That uh, Sony has I mean, no it's got Jared Leto in it, so probably not. <laughs> um, and I think I was, they, people were thinking that it had something to do with uh, Omicron surge, which they're saying it doesn't. They don't want to dip into Spider-Man's profits. And Uncharted comes out, I think, was supposed to come out two or three weeks after it. So I think it's going to be the three months of Tom Holland coming up. And uh, and that's fine. It got moved to April. Um, I don't think too many people care. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm really tired of seeing that trailer. So the sooner it True. comes out, the better. Is that. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I, I guess that we should also mention Turning Red. Uh, the next Pixar oh, yeah. movie got kicked to streaming only, which it's weird that they'll re- release Encanto, but they won't, which is their in-house animation, but they won't let Pixar, which makes me suspicious that they are trying to uh, marginalize Pixar and maybe absorb them. Yeah. And it's weird too, because th- uh, this is the third straight one. And I-, I read an interview with the animator at Pixar and they said, they're starting to get really disheartened working because one, their stuff is incredible. I mean, Soul is an incredible mm-hmm. film, and it should have been in theaters. Um, it would have been amazing. But I don't understand, because they say it's to make money off streaming. I keep on saying make money off streaming. How do you quantify that when you pay a subscription for it monthly? Is yeah, anybody's... and it's not like the Pixar movies are with that like premium access. Like You have to pay $30 extra like yeah. they did with Cruella. Like, no, it's just included. So I don't know how they quantify, I guess, by watching. But then I read that Netflix counts it as a watch if you watch three minutes of anything. So that's stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, so a couple shakeups. And um, I mean, Turning Red looks fun. It reminds me a lot of Pixar trailers where the trailers are Pixar trailers where it's okay. And then the movie ends up being incredible. Um, so we'll see. So uh I hope everybody liked our new format for real nerds. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the individuals and their own unique take on episode 521. Right, Brad? Yep. 521. Hey, 11. Um, 521. So thanks for listening. And I'm going to turn it over to the rest of the nerds. Bye. Nerds, Corinne here for a new segment that I'm going to call Showtime because, you know, that's what I call it on the website and we're just going to keep the name. Um, I am going to be doing Catching the Classics still, but I'm going to kind of alternate between Catching the Classics and Showtime, which is just going to be me talking about, you know, something cool I've been watching recently. Um, But I just figured 
I shouldn't do a Catching the Classics every week because I will eventually run out of classics to watch. So also there are some really cool things I've been watching lately and I want to share them with all of you. So tonight I'm going to be giving you a review of a movie I just saw called Belle. B-E-L-L-E. Um, and this is a movie I have been waiting for for probably a year. I remember watching the trailer, seeing it, thinking, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. I need to watch this now. And of course, uh, it's a Japanese animation film. So of course, it's released everywhere but America. And uh, finally tonight, we had the US premiere. Uh, went to a special screening of it. It was really cool. Uh, really good energy. Everybody there was really excited to see it. Um, so the premise, again, it's a, it's not Makoto Shinkai, but it's a, ah, crap, I forgot the director's name. It's the same guy who did Mirai, um, Oscar nominated Mirai, which is a fabulous movie. Everybody should go check it out. Um, but it's the same, uh, director who did that. And the idea is that there's this girl whose mother has died and she has, um, lost a lot of confidence in herself and she was really talented in singing and she hasn't been able to sing since her mom died. Um, but she gets wrapped up into this virtual world called you, just the letter U. And the idea is like, you can go into the virtual world and you can kind of become whoever you want to be. You can start over. And so she eventually becomes this kind of like singing sensation on this virtual, you know, in this virtual world. And then there's, like, some shenanigans going on, and there's this, like, beast creature who, like, they have, like, kind of, like, a connection, and it's, it, it's like, Beauty and the Beast meets Ready Player One, and admittedly, I haven't seen Ready Player One, but it's just kind of, like, that same basic premise of, like, you know, some ordinary person who goes into the virtual world and kind of becomes famous, um, and it has a lot of, like, kind of social commentary about you know, social media and, uh, internet, like, culture and just, like, how negative people can be on there sometimes. And it, so I, like I said, I've been waiting for this movie for a year. And so I think maybe I hyped it up a little bit too much for myself, or I thought it was going to go in a different direction. So when it got to the end, I, I guess I was like, I was not prepared for the direction that this went, uh, which wasn't, it was a bad thing for me, but it wasn't like that made the movie bad. It was just, I need to adjust my expectations. So I definitely need to want to and need to watch this again. Um, if you are in Denver, uh, it's supposed to be playing at Denver Pavilions. Uh, I don't know whenever this podcast is coming out, but maybe it will still be playing at Denver Pavilions whenever uh, this podcast gets posted. So, you know, if you're in the Denver area, check it out. If not, it might be playing at a theater near you. Uh, check it out. It's called Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Uh, it is supposed to be out in English dub and English subtitles. I saw it in the English sub, but I really want to see it uh, dubbed over because, um, you know, just a, just a different perspective on things. And sometimes uh, there were a couple of comedic scenes. And, you know, I always say, like, comedy, I think, plays better when you don't have to read it. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. The animation's pretty, like the 3D world, uh, the, uh, oh, I forgot to mention that the, uh, the U, the alternate universe is all 3D animation and the real world is 2D animation. So it kind of separates the worlds that way. Um, it's very cool, very stylized. So, uh, the 3D animation was beautiful 
Um, the 2D animation looked pretty good. Uh, there are a lot of scenes where it's like by a river and like the effects on that were really nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really well-made movie and the music in it is beautiful. That's one of the reasons why I want to see it in the English dub is I know they worked really hard to dub those songs over into English, um, you know, to translate them and to, you know, bring in a voice actress who sounded identical to the Japanese one. So I'm very excited about it. I definitely want to see it again now that I know what to expect and I've adjusted my expectations. So anyway, I don't know what rating I would give it, but I give it a very high recommendation. So everybody check out Belle. And uh, next time I'm on, I will be talking uh, for Showtime. I will be tackling my younger sister's favorite anime, which I've never seen but she recommended this show to me and she's like, you've got to watch it. And I've been watching it so far. It's been really good, but I'm going to talk about that next time. And then after that, I will be doing a catching the classics about a Tom Cruise movie I've never seen. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. And now it's time for Brad's exhibition etiquette, your weekly guide of tips and tricks to help you not ruin Brad's fun at the movies. This week's lesson, whispering is still talking. It's still distracting, and unless you're having a medical emergency, there's nothing you need to vocalize that can't wait until after the movie. So zip it. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. The Esquire Midnights are back starting January 28th uh, with The Room. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. And then Saturdays are going to have the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, but also going forward, uh, Mad Max Free Road. Akira, Princess Mononoke are all in the lineup. So, yeah, I'm excited to go back to Esquire Midnights for the first time in like two years. Um, so check that out. Hello, Real Nerds listeners. This is Zach. Uh, judging by the audio quality, you can tell that this assignment is coming in late. Uh, but I did want to touch on some of the recent passings that we had uh, within the business. First of all, we lost Bob Saget uh, not too long ago, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, the death is still unconfirmed as to the cause of it. But uh, Bob, as we all know, was primarily known as the dad on Full House. Um, but he was also a comedy legend in his own right very much known for being far dirtier than his reputation as the full house dad preceded it. Uh, needless to say, his role as Danny Tanner was not necessarily his one on the road. Um, he was also the narrator on How I Met Your Mother and America's Funniest Home Videos and uh, a real staple for a lot of people in their childhood. So to lose him is obviously a great big deal for people. Um, I myself enjoy a little movie he did called Farce of the Penguins, which is uh, quite a send-up of March of the Penguins. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's uh, quite aggressively uh, outrageous. Um, we also lost the legendary Sidney Poitier, um, an actor who broke many of the color barriers in this country when it came to actors in Hollywood, uh, with such films as To Serve With Love, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, In the Heat of the Night... Um, I'll tell you the big thing that I remember him for, the first things I ever saw him do was actually, uh, Stir Crazy with, um, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, which he directed. Um, and 
And, you know, I, I really like thinking of him as that director. Like, he was a person who was able to hold himself behind the camera as well as in front of it. Um, but obviously, films like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and In the Heat of the Night do really pack a punch to this day. And uh, similar to Eddie Rochester Anderson, uh, Poitier had to kind of concede a lot of victories uh, for his progression in the industry. Um, there was criticism thrown his way at his time, but he was nevertheless a legend in his own right that uh, made it possible for a lot of things to happen and a lot of bridges to be gapped and or gaps to be bridged and we would be able to move forward and evolve and grow. Um, his accomplishments uh, outweigh any setbacks he would have had. Um, and one of his last films uh, has grown into quite uh, into a great cult status, uh, Sneakers, uh, from 1992. So, uh, you know, you, you got to give it up for a man who lived it to the fullest and never... Uh, Never took that for granted. Uh, and the last we have is Peter Bogdanovich, um, who was a gentleman that many people will know as the director of What's Up Doc, uh, Paper Moon, The Last Picture Show. For me, though, he was like a film historian for the most part. Um, he was a man who, yes, his films are influential and they're game changers for the American New Wave, but I learned a lot from Peter Bogdanovich, whether it was about Hitchcock, Orson Welles, or any other director that he so choose to speak about. Um, in fact, his knowledge about Orson Welles has been very influential in shaping the way I perceive Orson Welles. Um, his work with interviewing Hitchcock was very influential to the Shamley Silhouettes. So without the work of Peter Bogdanovich interviewing all these figures... Um, it would be, uh, it would be impossible for us to be able to gauge how we would receive the material because he grabbed some of those last interviews with those guys. Um, and he was very influential in getting, uh, the other side of the wind finished, um, which is something that he worked towards nearly the end of his life, as we now know it, uh, to see that film finished, uh, Orson Welles' final film, uh, and he also made a movie called Targets with Boris Karloff as his debut feature, which is a very unique movie that I highly recommend people check out if you want to see one of Boris Karloff's last performances. It's great. Uh, it's a tense little thriller that I think everybody can enjoy. It has, it has some touchy subject matter from the way it's uh, initially perceived, but just trust me when I say it's, it's, it's worth a watch. Uh, and then... I don't know, for this new form of real nerds, it's all kind of weird and it's all kind of strange. And I've actually been doing a lot of what we've been watching in the form of watching a Golden Age Hollywood movie a day. Um, uh, but instead of talking about all the titles for right now, and you can check out my progress on Instagram if you'd like, but um, I wanted to talk about the fact that I've rewatched Fun and Fancy Free. The Adventures of Ichabod, Mr. Toad, and now tonight, Melody Time, uh, with my girlfriend over FaceTime. Um, and it's been really cool to, when we can't be together at the current moment, to watch those movies with her on Disney Plus and to see them through her eyes, because not all of them she's seen. And uh, the 
just just watching those reactions uh, in real time is quite a treat. Um, we watched Fun and Fancy Free last week uh, together in person, and it was a wonderful time where she was giggling along to Bongo the Bear and Mickey and the Beanstalk, and I just got to geek out and share all my trivia. So it was quite a it was quite a special thing to share, and uh, uh, so th- those were the kind of the things that kind of helped me through a very rough week so i promise i'll have something a little bit more polished and professional next time after film explosion when we return to the regular new rebooted version um and i will surely be there for the review but until then real nerds listeners um i'll take it back over to whoever's going to do the next segment um i hope to god it's james i miss james uh but if it's brad that'll be just as great because brad's pretty fucking cool all right guys take care Bye. It's Ryan. Thanks for listening. And I want to thank all the nerds who contributed this week. Uh, Brad and Corinne, thanks for joining me on this movie movie journey this week. Good to be on again. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, good hearing from you. It's been a while, Corinne. I know. Uh, I haven't talked to you guys in Spider-Man. I mean, that's all that really matters is Spider-Man. So that's cool. I'm somewhat of a movie fan myself. Uh <laughs> So yeah, Brad, thanks again, as always. No problem. And uh, again, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Can follow the plot and a real nerd. Look at all the gods. What's going on? Real Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.